have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm just going to read it and then uh, we'll pray together. It says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Lord God, we do believe what we've sang this morning, that freedom reigns in this place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you've just made yourself available here in Prineville this morning to set the captives free. Lord, would you show us today, those of us that are in chains, those of us that are prisoners, to sin. Lord, we're just held captive. We're under a heavy load and a heavy burden. And we come here a slave to sin and rebellion to Christ. Lord, just bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon those hearts today. Lord, for those who've come to this park and they're Christians and they're just battling sin and they just, they feel like they're addicted. They feel like they're addicts. And Lord, today they need to know that they are free in Christ. Lord, let today be a day the glorious good news of the gospel is proclaimed and heralded in this park, Lord, that we would rejoice and stand fast in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Let your Holy Spirit speak, not in wisdom of human words, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, of a liberty that we have in Christ, of a freedom that is made available because of Jesus, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We also read in verse 1 of a bondage, kind of the, 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 uh, the, the opposite of freedom, uh, a bondage that we can be so easily entangled within a bondage or a slavery. You know, as you read the Bible, you read a lot about slaves and you read a lot about captives. And there were various kinds of slaves and captives in the Bible. Perhaps a person was a slave because he was taken captive in a battle and was now prisoner of the opposing army. He was perhaps a foreign slave. Or, or you read of foreign women that, that become slaves in the scriptures. You might think of Joseph in the book of Genesis and how his brothers uh, bushwhacked him and threw him in a pit and then sold him to a bunch of traveling men. And they, they sold him away as a slave and he was taken down to Egypt and became a slave in Potiphar's house. Uh, you might have been born into slavery in biblical times. Many of the Israelites were born into captivity. If they were born in Egypt under Israel, as an Israelite, they were born as a slave to Egypt. Or if they were born in to the Assyrians after captivity or the Babylonians, born into slavery from day one. Perhaps a man was indebted to his master and needed to pay off a debt or a loan. And so he would work as a slave for his master because of a, a loan that was taken out. Or because he had stolen from a man and was caught and then had to pay back um, and then some 
by working as a slave. And also in scripture and in the biblical times, we see people who would sell themselves into slavery just to survive because they were poor and their family was starving and they were going to die. And so they said, you know what? I'll just sell my family into slavery. At least we'll live. In the New Testament, we read of different types of slavery. What goes through your mind when you think of slavery? You think of bondage and chains, captivity, oppression, servitude. You think of shackles and handcuffs and restraints and bonds. If you're new to the church, something you're going to know about me right off the bat is that I love history. And I spent the last week on some vacation. I went to the coast for a few days. I went down to Klamath Falls. And, and during that time, I read some historical books from the 1800s. And it was specifically about uh, the Civil War and the Confederacy. And it was this action-packed historical fiction. And man, it just like gets my heart pumping. And it's about freeing the slaves in the South. Anybody else here? You're like, woohoo. Okay, nobody. That's just me. Um, and as I was reading, I was like, oh man, I can't handle it. I've got to watch a documentary on the Civil War. And so I get on Netflix and I watch Ken Burns' documentary called The Civil War. It's excellent. If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. But as I'm watching that, I, I'm, I'm reading and I'm hearing and I'm learning and I'm watching video footage and pictures uh, of slaves and, and audio recordings of, of slaves. It's very incredible. And so for me, as I do a study just on, on this 4th of July weekend on freedom, for me, my mind goes back to the slavery that we as a country uh, were a part of for hundreds of years and that we fought a war over uh, to end. Images were conjured up for me as I studied this weekend of our nation's horrible history of buying and selling and treating people, human beings, as property, mistreatment of black men and women. My mind goes to forced labor and whips and scars. One image on the documentary showed a man, a slave's back, with scars on his back. And, and you know what? It was worse than scars upon his back. It was scars upon scars upon scars upon scars. This man had been beaten so many times. The, the, the scar tissue had built up on his back to where there was no regular young healthy flesh. It was all scar tissue built up into a mound on his back. Seeing video and footage of, not video footage, but footage of men, women, and children bound with fetters bound with crude collars to prevent escape. You know, when you see someone who just took their dog to the vet to get stitches and they walk down the street and their dog has one of those bell collars on so they don't bite themselves, you've seen those? And you're like, oh, that dog, you know. You know, human beings in America had to wear, like, sharp, crude bell collars with spikes on them so that if they were walking around and they decided to escape, they wouldn't be able to climb through bushes or there was no hope of escape. And to watch these images, very sobering. A slave could expect to be sold upon the auction block at least once in their life 
probably more times than that. And when the time came to be sold, they were poked, prodded, forced to jump and perform, just as if the buyer were purchasing a horse or other piece of livestock. One free black man wrote, No day, every day, dawns for the slave. For the slave, it is all night, all night, forever. And I want you to take that idea of slavery that we can kind of tangibly grasp from our history lessons in school. And I want you to transpose that and apply that to the spiritual life of a human being. I want you to do that. I want you to take the idea of oppression and bonds and fetters and collars and whippings and forced labor in hot summer days for 14 hours a day, if not more. I want you to think about how for people, no day ever dawns for a slave. For a slave, it is all night, all night, forever. And there are things that we as human beings can be enslaved to. We could perhaps be born into chains. In fact, the scripture says that we are born into slavery. We are born into chains. Scripture is clear on that, that we have a sin nature from our great, great grandpappy Adam that is inherited to us. We are inherently sinful. And then we go one above that and we sin on our own because we want to rebel against God. And that's called imputative sin. And so we've inherited sin and then we just impute and heap sin upon ourselves because we know better than God and we will be our own God or we will make other things our God. And we say no God to the creator. We were born into that just as You know, a child was born into the South, into a slave home. We come under the harsh taskmastership of sin, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. John calls those, it's been called from the book of 1 John, that those three things are the three bullets in the gun of sin. Did you catch those three bullets? The lusts of the flesh... Just our flesh just wanting and craving things that that aren't good or are forbidden or things that are good, but we make better than God. We think they're better than God and therefore we make them sin. Our flesh just lusts and wants. We have lusts of the eyes and we see and we want something that's not ours. We covet And we become enslaved to the lust of our eyes. And then we have the pride of life, the desire for ourself to succeed for our own good and our own selfish gain. These things are the three silver bullets in the gun of sin. And they're things that we are all enchained to from birth. John chapter 8 verse 33, Jesus says, I am telling you the truth. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Have you ever thought yourself that a slave to sin, a slave to lying, a slave to thievery? I remember I was a high school pastor for eight years and I had a boy in my youth group from a Christian home and he was kind of the black sheep and he would get arrested and arrested and arrested for stealing. He'd break into the Pepsi plant and try to steal monster energy drinks and get arrested hiding in a garbage can, got caught. 
And Fred Myers, you know, he's trying to, to steal things, and they've still got their tags on it, and, and running out the door, and getting caught, getting caught. And he said, you know what, Rory? It's, it's like an addiction. I'm just like enslaved to this. It's, there's the thrill of like, am I going to get caught? And then I can have this stuff. It's not even really about this stuff. And maybe that's you. You're just, you're enslaved to lying or you're enslaved to being a thief or you're enslaved to lust or you're, you're enslaved to pornography or you're enslaved to alcohol. You're enslaved to lust. You're enslaved to laziness. You're enslaved to gluttony. No matter what sin it is, and you can fill in the blank, and I pray the Holy Spirit would show us or show you, show me today, what things that we, as we've committed sin, we've become slaves to sin. And Romans 8, 16 says, Whoever you present yourself to to obey, you are that one's slave. Even if it's of sin, which leads to death. And so everybody in this park needs to realize this at one point or another, and perhaps it's right now for you, everybody in this park has been or is a slave to sin at one point or another. You've been under the chains and the harsh taskmastership of sin, and that sin pays a wage. Its wage is called death. And you today, if you come to this park and you are apart from Christ, you need to know that you are a, a slave to sin. We all worship something. And whatever we worship becomes our master. And you perhaps have come to this park having many masters. And the only way that you can find out what your master is, is to imagine what it would be like if that thing was taken from you. I'm going to take this from you. You depend upon it. You want it so bad. I'm going to take this. Will you still trust the Lord? Will you follow after the Lord? Will you obey the Lord? If the answer is no, that is your God. That is your idol. And you are a slave to that person, that place, that thing, that hobby, that high, that rush, that substance, that beverage, whatever it might be. If your boyfriend was taken away from you, your career, your looks, your talents, your abilities, all of these things can be taskmasters, masters to us, and they will corrupt you. And then right after they corrupt you, they'll disappear. Perhaps you come to this place today and you might not be a pagan you might not be addicted or, or enslaved to lusts and passions. But the scripture, even the New Testament, says that some people can be enslaved to the Old Testament law or the Old Covenant. To the idea that I am better. I am better and they are worse before God because of what I do or what I don't do. Because I keep these things in the law, I'm better. And God loves me more and God likes me more. And if I don't keep those things and I don't do those things, then I have guilt, I have condemnation, I have a heavy conscience. But when I do these things, then I'm good with God and he's pleased with me. That idea, my friends, is not according to the gospel. That's counter gospel to relate to your God based upon performance and works is not the good news. 
The good news is relating to God based on his son's performance and his son's good works. And then we just rest in that. On Monday, we rest in that. Monday night, we rest in that. Thursday, we rest in that. When I'm struggling with sin, we rest in that. When I just sinned and I blew it, I rest in that. I rest in that. I rest in that. But we so often default to a slave-like position of relating to God based on, I read five chapters today, I read ten chapters today, I didn't read a chapter today, I did worship in my car on the way to work today, I didn't, I did rock music on my way, on my way to work today. God's going to kill me, watch out for the lightning bolts. Performance-based relationship with God is no relationship with God at all, and the scriptures heavily speak, heavily speak, to that being slavery. It is not freedom in Christ. Perhaps you come here today and you have a fear of man and you're worried about what people think about you and you're worried about how you look in front of them and you're worried about how you could control people and the fear of man, the Proverbs tell us, is a snare, it is a trap. And so for those of you today who feel the weight of trying to make it on your own, or for those who feel this crazy acute pressure of thinking you have to change your spouse if you're going to be happy, or for those of you who think you've got to be on top of everything if you're going to make it, that you have to do everything right and you have to raise your kids just right, or, or you know, they're going to turn, if they're going to turn out okay. That you have to control what other people think about you. That that you'd feel important. That you'd have to be the best if your life is going to count. That you'd have to be successful if you're ever going to satisfy the deep desire for approval. And so on and so forth. All of that is works-based and worrying and anxiety. Then this message is for you. Because today we come... To the cross. And today we come to the empty tomb. And today we see that Jesus did it all. And so we can rest today in Jesus' perfect life, perfect death, and powerful resurrection. And we get our eyes on those things. And the chains fall down. And there's freedom. And now there's freedom to serve and there's freedom to love and there's freedom to obey and there's freedom to worship. And we do that with joy and happiness and excitement. And we're compelled now. We're stoked to do it. Rather rather than feeling that it is an obligation. Rather than that we're compelled to do it. Or God's going to be angry with us or he won't bless us or he'll strike us down. We as Christians are seen in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus comes on the scene in the midst of our fallen condition. And he purchases us us, off of the auction block of slavery. He buys us from our old master. And what currency does he use? Not a shilling, not a pound, not a dollar bill. He used the precious blood of the Son of God. And he purchased our freedom. Because of his blood, we are bought. He pays the ransom price. The word in the New Testament is propitiation or atonement. 
Big words, I understand that. But own them and learn them and love them. Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. He paid the ransom price to deliver us off of the auction block of slavery and into freedom and newness of life. Interesting that we can be bound up in such tight chains apart from Christ. But in Christ, we experience such a freedom, such a liberty, that even if a man or a woman were locked up tight in the most oppressive prison cell, or if they bent their back under the harshest master's load, in Christ, they would be free in such a powerfully deep, joyful, and eternal way. On the other hand, those who live in a great nation like America, where we have so many freedoms and privileges, yet an individual would remain apart from Christ, outside of Christ, and in their hearts, rebels to Christ, they would actually be, though they're America, though they wear red, white, and blue, though they chant USA, USA, and watch the fireworks display every year, they are under an even more severe and brutal entrapment than the blacks in the 1800s. And so we have freedom here. Freedom reigns in this place this morning. God, in His love for you, drew you here this morning to be confronted with the brutal, obvious, blunt fact that you are a sinner, you are enslaved, you are in a rebellious warfare state with God, but He loves you and He sent His Son to die, that you might not perish, that you might not experience the wrath of God, but if you would believe in Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus Christ and rest in what He's done, you won't perish. You'll have eternal life. You'll have hope in this life today because the chains will be broken and you'll be set free. Perhaps you're here today and the Holy Spirit would reveal to you that you are enslaved and you are being mistreated by the harsh taskmaster of sin. You're in bondage to trying to measure up to a height you can never reach on your own. And God, by His love for you, has brought you here today so that you might know there is freedom. There's freedom from sin in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, we read that we can come to the waters of baptism. And it's there at baptism that we tell the world that we are united with Christ. Just as Christ was nailed to the cross, and He was killed, and He was buried, and then He rose from the dead in new life and power, we go to the waters of baptism and we say, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dying with Christ right now. And you go back into the water and gurgle, 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 gurgle. And it's a symbol of you being buried with Christ, united with Christ in his burial and in his death. And then you come up shooting forth up out of the water with sparkles and waters and drips. And you slowly do that hair thing, you know. And it's a symbol of I am alive with Christ and I have this radical resurrection power attributed to me today because I'm united with Christ. 
And Romans chapter 6 tells us that if we've been united together with Christ in the likeness of his death, then certainly we'll be united together with him in the likeness of his resurrection. There's life there. Knowing that our old man, our old sinful man was crucified with him so that this body of sin might be done away with. Listen to this. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And so when we go to the waters of baptism, we're telling the world, I died. The old Rory, he's dead. His rebellion, his poor attitude, his doing what he wanted to do, him being his own God, that guy is dead and buried. That slave is freed. He who has died has been freed from sin. As a result of having died with Christ, we're no longer slaves of sin. The Bible Knowledge Commentary gives glorious truth or explains this glorious truth like this. Sin no longer has the right to force its mastery and control on the believer, for he has died with Christ. And so if you come here today and you're a Christian and you've been buying into this hogwash that you're an addict or that you're a slave of sin, read the New Testament, brother or sister. He who has died has been freed from sin. We've been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. We're in the process of sanctification. But you speak the truth with your lips. I've been freed from sin. Galatians 5.1 says, stand fast. We read it this morning. Stand fast and firmly and be immovable in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There in this passage, kind of our main passage this morning, I suppose. We have a belief that needs to be declared by us as Christians. This belief is that we have been liberated. Christ has made us free. So you Christian stand fast in that and don't let anybody push you out of that. If anyone tells you you're not free, you say, you know what? The apostle Paul said that I am to stand fast and to be immovable in the freedom that Christ won for me. I love the ESV version and it's a little more likened to the original manuscript. Listen to this. I love it says, for freedom, Christ has made us free. For freedom, Christ has made us free. Why have we been set free? For freedom. Imagine a man who has spent years in prison and the day has come for his release. The warden walks down towards his cell with jangling keys and unlocks the door to his cell and begins to lead the man down the cell block towards a free life. On his way out, the recently freed man spots an empty cell with an open door to it and he bolts towards this door, drives into the cell and dives into the cell and slams it shut behind himself. You would think, what is wrong with this individual? Is this why he's been set free this morning to just go off and just put himself in a cell? That's sadly what most Christians do. We've been liberated by Christ. It's for freedom that he has set us free. 
And as we're being walked in the process of sanctification home, we dive into the cell and we slam the door shut behind us and we say, no, I'm entangling myself with a yoke of bondage once again. Stand fast in the liberty. Liberty liberty means the happy state of having been released from servitude for a life of enjoyment and satisfaction that was not possible before. Here in Galatians chapter 5, the context of this freedom passage, you got to know the history. Paul writes to a bunch of churches in Asia Minor. These churches had seen a group of men come in. They had kind of a cool name. They were called Judaizers. And these Judaizers had crept in. Paul actually says they stealthily came in so that they might spy out our freedom and then put us into a yoke of bondage again. And these Judaizers came into the churches in Galatia and they began to bewitch the Christians there, drawing them away from the grace of God. These Judaizers were legalistic snakes who were preaching a grace plus message. Do you know what a grace plus message is? Sounds kind of good at first, like there's A and then there's A plus, right? So there's grace and then there's grace plus. That's not what it is, not at all. The grace plus message that the Judaizers would preach was, oh yeah, We've been saved by grace. Jesus is good. But if you really want to be good, if you really want to be awesome, if you really want to have favor with God and see his blessing on your life, you need to be circumcised. Got to be circumcised. And they begin to preach circumcision. And they begin to preach, if you really want to be blessed, it's it's not just Jesus It's observing this day and that day and this feast and that feast. And then God will really bless you. Then he really will show you his favor. It's a false gospel, Paul says, and it's not from the Lord. People that believe it are fools, he says in Galatians. He says that they are bewitched. They're turning aside from the gospel. It's called another gospel. And he says, and even if an angel from heaven were to come and preach it to you, you let that angel be accursed. Because it's false. Rory, why are you telling us all that? Whatever. I'm telling you that because the context that Paul says, you stand firm in your freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has made you free. And don't you let anybody pull you back into the quicksand of slavery, including these Judaizers who will bring a very religious message with them, but it'll tell you, hey, your relationship with Christ, you having any joy in him or having any favor, you've got to be doing stuff or not doing stuff or wearing this or not wearing that or this or that or that or the other. It's grace plus And it's a false gospel. Galatians is very clear that we are not declared right and innocent before God because we do a bunch of works. That's slavery. We are declared right and innocent before God 
because Jesus's righteousness and innocent is placed into our account by faith, by believing, by resting, and by trusting. By the works of the law, by performing, no flesh will be justified. This is good news for those of you that come here today thinking, I've got to perform, I've got to perform, I've got to perform. No. Romans chapter 8 says, For in what the law could not do, in that it was weak in our flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin by his life. That we who walk not according to the flesh, but by the spirit and by faith and by trusting in him will be counted righteous. Jesus did it. And so if you come here today and I've been there and I get there all the time, I default to a performance based relationship with God. I read one chapter a day of the Bible. I'm feeling as, you know, we're doing good, me and God. I read 10 chapters. Booyah! Mountains are going to move. I might levitate. Things are going to happen. He is so stinking happy with me right now. Kind of been listening to a little rock music lately. And, and you know, I'll switch it back over to some Christian music. And I'm like, oh, I really want to hear this song again. I'm go back over there. And I'll hear the enemy saying, you think God's going to move it all this weekend when you're preaching in the park, when you're listening to that? I mean, it's nothing grotesque or anything. And I'm just like, man, I better turn it back to Caleb, you know, or whatever. I don't listen to Caleb, just in case you're wondering. Then God will really bless. We default to that all the time. Guys, stand fast in grace. When is God pleased with you? When we rest in the sun. When we rest in what Jesus has already done. One commentator says that a Christ supplemented is a Christ supplanted. If it's Jesus plus this and that, and I've got to supplement Jesus because his work on the cross wasn't enough, so I've got to wear this, go there, not go there, partake of this, not partake of that, this, that, and the other, and then he's finally going to be pleased with me, and I'm going to be saved because I'm doing this, then Jesus has just been supplanted. And so we see here in Galatians 5.1, a root to be dodged. A root to be dodged. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We dare not add to the all-sufficient work of Christ upon the cross. Acts chapter 15 verse 10 says, if we put something on each other, it's like putting a yoke upon us that neither we nor the most religious men before us could bear. We would be yoking ourselves to slavery and none of us could bear it. But there is one who bore it. His name's Jesus Christ. And his perfection in that area will be put on you if you would just trust in him. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says, I just want to know this. 
I just want to know this. Did you get saved and receive the Holy Spirit by working really hard or believing by faith? And it's a rhetorical question. A Christian would say, by faith. That's how I received the Holy Spirit. That's how I was born again. Then Paul says, well, don't be foolish then. If you began in the Holy Spirit, a work of the Spirit and a work of faith, don't try to perfect the rest of your life with the flesh. It's false religion. And it too is a false gospel. If you're going to try to put yourself under a yoke or under a law, then the Bible says, then you are becoming a curse because you'll never be able to measure up. And then the next verse in Galatians 3.13, it says, Jesus himself was made a curse for you being hung on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. You cannot do it. You can't do it. Don't put that on yourself. The Old Testament fathers that went before us proved to us that even on your best day as a Jew whose job is to be perfect, you can't be perfect. You can't do it. Enter in the Son of God. God draped in flesh. Living a perfect life. Dying a death that he didn't have to die. As a substitute in our place. He says there, don't be entrapped again. You catch that in chapter five, verse one of Galatians. Don't be enslaved again. You already were slaved. You were born into that, been there, done that. Don't go back to that. There's an old song that says, not the labor of my hands would fulfill thy laws demands or of zeal of my zeal. No respite, no. Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. So when we work really hard, can't do it. You're making yourself a slave. Or if you're trying to feel good with God because of some radical worship service. And man, if I could just get worship to be a certain way so that I'm goosebumpy and tingly and I'm sweating and I'm, you know, then God's pleased and we're good to go. You're falling back into slavery. Is it okay to be excited in worship? Is it okay to be? Woo. Yeah. But do it because you love Jesus, not to try to make him love you. Don't let anyone put you back under the shackles is the second part of this verse. There's liberty that we've received and there's a slavery that we reject. When I was watching this Ken Burns documentary, I was just blown away that they had a recording of one of the oldest surviving American slaves. And you got to hear, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman, like just really sounded old and abused and, you know. So he was either a man or a woman. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, but probably a man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a man. Doesn't matter. Okay. This old recording of a slave speaking of the thought of returning to slavery said, you know what I'd rather do? If I thought that I'd ever be a slave again, 
I'd take a gun and I'd just end it right there. Because you're nothing but a dog. You're nothing but a dog. And Paul says, you know what? Don't go back to being a slave. Don't go back. You're nothing but a dog. You're just under bondage. You're just in chains. There's no life and there's no joy. The hymn writers understood this. John Wesley wrote a hymn that said, and and can it be was the title of it. And he wrote this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. And you need to understand this as you are confronted with a message like this today. You need to understand what it is to be confronted with your sin and your guilt. I've had to come to that. Good old American boy, raised on a farm, good Christian home, moral. Rory, you're depraved, and without Jesus, you're going to hell. You're living a life of self-righteousness, and by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified and made innocent. Rory, innocent little plowboy, you need to be saved, and you need to be born again. I was confronted with my sin, and you today are confronted with your sin. But you're also shown that you can be declared innocent today because someone else paid the price for you and you have been found justified by the righteous judge in heaven. Justified, just as if you'd never sinned. Wesley's hymn goes on. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off and my heart was free. I arose and went forth and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Behold, I approach the eternal throne And claim the crown through Christ my own. The story is told of a man driving his carriage down the road just after the Civil War's end. You weren't expecting a story like this, were you? He spots a man in a field picking cotton, an obvious slave. And he shouts out to him, Friend, what are you doing there picking that cotton? And the slave responds, my master told me to pick this here cotton, so I'm a-doing what I'm told. Well, haven't you heard that the war is over and you're a free man? I reckon I don't know nothing about no war being over. I'm doing what my master said. Well, haven't you heard about the Emancipation Proclamation? All slaves have been declared free men. And the man in the field answered, I reckon I don't know nothing about no emancipation proclamation. I'm just going to pick this here cotton. The man returned to his work and astounded. The carriage continued down the road. And so many of us here this morning in this park are being told today the emancipation proclamation 
That Jesus Christ died and rose again so that you might be free. If you've come into this park and you're not a Christian, you've come into this park outside of Christ, a rebel of Christ, then today you are being told that Christ has died to win your pardon. Receive that pardon this morning. I'm begging you from my carriage. And some of you Christians, you've come here this morning. And you know the day that you were justified. You know the day that you were set free. And yet you've been living. You've been living a life in a jail cell with an unlocked door. Open that door this morning. Don't put yourself under a yoke of bondage yet again. Today's message of God's emancipation proclamation is for you. Don't be the Christian who is living as if he's a slave of sin. It's the glorious message of the gospel. We are no longer slaves of sin. Freedom is here. Salvation is here. I'm going to have the worship team Come back forward. And they sang a song that's from 2 Corinthians 3.17. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The context of that is about Christians who keep wanting to go back to the law. To go back to works-based, performance-based religion. And Paul says in that chapter, you know what? Back when Moses would read out of the law and the works that you had to do, he had to cover his face and the people would cover their faces. And as he would read, they had to cover their face because there was so much glory, but the glory was passing away. So much glory in the old covenant, but there was no joy in reading it. There was just a bunch of rules and laws that everyone there knew they were going to break. And so they had to cover their face. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, hey, in the new covenant, in the new deal that I'm going to make with you, you won't get to heaven because you do or don't do things. You'll get to heaven by what Jesus has done. And as you rest in what Jesus has done, he will send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God will come and he will dwell in you and he will be with you and he will give you power to live a life that is worthy of such a calling. And then the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The old covenant, it was of the flesh It was written on tablets of stone. The new deal is of the spirit and it's written on the tablet of our heart. And we want to obey now because we love Jesus and we love what he's done for us. We're given new names now. I always love calling the worship team up here so they can just stand here for about 10 to 20 minutes. No, just kidding. It won't be that long. We're given new names now that we're not slaves. We're given new titles and new positions. Guess what the first one is? Slave. Servant. Bond servant. 
We are now slaves to whomever we obey. That could be to sin leading to death or to righteousness leading to life. I'm a slave of Christ now. Romans 6 says that many times. Now we're slaves of righteousness. We've left being slaves of sin and now we're slaves of righteousness. It's the word doulos in the Greek and it speaks of Exodus 21, a bond servant. And it speaks of a Hebrew man that would be become a slave. And for seven years, he'd work for his master. And on the year of Jubilee, he could be set free. If he came with wives and kids, he'd leave with wives and kids. If he came and got married while he was a slave, he'd have to leave his wives and kids. But there was another option. If this man on the year of Jubilee decided, you know what? I love my master. I love my family. I love working here. I want to become a doulos. I want to become a bond servant. And the master would take this man before all of the judges. And this man would declare, I love my master. It is my pleasure to serve him. And they would take this man to the doorpost of the judgment hall. And they would drive an awl into his ear. And that all would be forever a symbol in that man's life that I am a bond servant. I'm the one that am choosing to serve my master because I love him. We're servants now as Christians. And today, if you would yield your life, you would go from being a slave to a bond servant. We're adopted as sons now. We're called sons and daughters of God. Galatians says that no longer are we slaves, but sons. And if we're sons, what is a son of a billionaire yet? An inheritance. He's an heir. We are an heir of all of the blessings and grace that God would bestow upon his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus shared it with us. And not only are we adopted as sons and we have that beautiful relationship and family relationship with Christ, with God the Father, but we're also friends of God. Jesus says in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I call you friends and everything I've heard from my father, I make known to you. Do you hear the emancipation proclamation today from Jesus Christ? John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. My prayer for you this morning is that you would yield your life to Jesus Christ and be set free from chains. Jesus says in that same chapter that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And so right now, as the worship team plays, okay. Right now is our chance to respond to the message. If you've come here this morning, and I want you to know that if you're here today, you've been prayed over. You've been prayed over here today. I came here last night and I sat right here and I just prayed over this park and I prayed that God would draw everyone here who needed to hear this message. So whether you're just riding by and walking by and, you know, I see a lot of new faces. I just want you to know, I prayed for you that God would bring you here to hear this message of freedom. If you're a Christian and you're here and, you know, it's God that you're here and you're not on vacation this week and you're not, 
you know, just gone or what. God wanted you here today. If you're so, if you're one that so often you just default to, gosh, God's angry with me. God hates me. When's the lightning going to hit me? I've been doing this. I haven't been doing that. Hey, rest, rest in Jesus. I address you first. If you've come to this park and you're not a Christian, you came to this place, you've not been saved. And from our message today, you know, you understand that you are a slave of sin and the wage of that is death both in this life and the life to come, I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to the love of Jesus that will make you free. And if we could just have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I would ask the elders and the deacons to please, you can keep your eyes open. We want to be able to respond and help people this morning. But everyone else, if you could just... Just respect the brother and sister next to you as the Lord deals with them. Respect the neighbor. If God has been dealing with you this morning and you realize, man, I'm a slave. I'm in chains. I've got the collar on. I'm going to die. I'm nothing but a dog to sin. Here, freedom proclaimed. Be set free this morning. If you'd like to be set free, if you'd like to be saved this morning, if you'd like to receive eternal life this morning, if you would like to become a son of God, adopted into his family, to to experience all the blessings and privileges and riches and inheritance that God would have for you, peace and hope and joy and purpose. If you would like that this morning and that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Just respond to the Bible this morning and say, Lord, that message is for me. I'm a slave. That message is for me, pastor. Will you pray for me? I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to bear the whip marks on my back of a cruel taskmaster. I want to be saved. I want to be adopted. I want to, I want to be part of this plan of God. Anybody at all this morning, just lift your hand up. Just There's few people looking, and, and, and the most important thing is God is looking. He's looking, and and the Bible says that He's knocking on the door of your heart. And if any man will hear that knocking and come and open the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with him and he with me. John chapter 1 says that for as many as receive Jesus Christ, to them He would grant the ability to be sons and daughters of God. Would you receive the adoption this morning? I see one hand up. Praise God. Just as you raise your hand, you're not raising your hand so that you can be saved. Well, now you raise your hand, you're saved. No, that's not, remember our whole message? It's not works-based. You're just responding. Jesus says that if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who's in heaven. Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
Won't you be saved today? Anybody else today? Lift up your hands so I can see you. Lord sees you. Beautiful young man saying, I want to be saved. <laughs> Anybody else in this place? I understand, you know, maybe you're just new here. You're just stopping by. This is, this is awkward. You know, in the Bible we see many times where the message of the cross and the message of Jesus was publicly proclaimed and people responded and were added to the number of Christians. And, and it was awkward for them as well, but they just knew the truth and they wanted the truth to set them free. Is there anybody at all? I've heard the truth today and the truth has set me free. Anybody else? beautiful thing two hands shooting up confessing Jesus Christ before men I'm going to pray with you in just a second those of you that raised your hands I want to just address very quickly just the Christians here today that you know this is a message for you a message of freedom that you would not go back to being enslaved by a yoke or chains any performance based rightness with God you recognize that you have a bent towards sin towards this or that or him or her or that place or these things and you're tempted to say I'm a prisoner to that thing I'm a prisoner to that that's my God that's my idol I that's that's all of me today you've been set free and you need to reckon it to be true. And I would ask you today as a Christian, if that's you and you would just respond to the word of God, I just felt as we were worshiping this morning that you were to stand up in this place and you were to confess, I am no longer a slave. I am set free by the blood of Jesus. I received the Holy Spirit's power to walk in obedience. And I just had the pictures we did worship that as you stood, you could just hear the chains falling off of your wrists and hitting the ground with a clank. No longer are you enslaved to sin. Anybody as a Christian, you would just say, that's, that's for me. This 4th of July weekend, celebrating our freedom. Man, I want to celebrate what I've been freed from the most. Sin. We're going to close with this song, Freedom Reigns in This Place. And you can just stand as, that, as that's you. And you can just stand and declare, just, Lord, let your freedom reign over me as a Christian. Is that the song we were doing? No, that's not the song we were doing. I'm sorry. We don't have to do that song. No, the other one. No, do the one that you're doing. I like the song you were doing. It's about freedom. Whatever. Yeah, do, do yours for sure. Yeah, just got mixed up there. As it's about freedom. The word free is used in it, so I was sort of right. You're free. Just stand up as a Christian as you would just reckon the old man dead and the new man alive to Christ. 
You've been listening to Pastor Rory Rogers, pastor of Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Primeville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon 97754, or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.